Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Did you know your daily routine could be the key to your next vacation getaway? NerdWallet helps you compare travel and cashback cards to turn your everyday purchases into your next unforgettable getaway experience. Traveling doesn't have to be expensive, and daily expenses don't have to get in the way of your next escape. Imagine purchasing food and earning points towards a free hotel room, or earning points toward a flight by simply buying gas. Regardless of your financial situation, the NerdWallet team will help you make sense of your options at nerdwallet.com. Get expert information from an award-winning team of nerds to make even the most complicated money questions and topics easy to understand. NerdWallet's dedicated team will offer the tips you need to get that vacation you've been waiting for without breaking the bank. NerdWallet offers everything you need to make sound financial decisions while costing you absolutely nothing. Find the smartest financial products for you on nerdwallet.com or in app stores by downloading the NerdWallet app. All Hit Radio Welcome to the X-Zone A place where fact is fiction And fiction is reality Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell Bring the wind to carry me over Lead me home to my town Tell me when that breeze is blowing, taking me home to my And welcome back to the Exxon. Uh, we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send us an email, Exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for the programming that is available for you on the Exxon TV channel, visit simultv.com. Our guest this hour is Stephen Bassett. And uh, Stephen is a political activist, disclosure advocate, and the executive director for Paradigm Research Group. Well, that was founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomenon. He has spoken to audiences around the world about the implications of disclosure, the formal confirmation by heads of state of an extraterrestrial presence engaging the human race. 
He has lectured around the world on political implications of UAP ET phenomena and given over 1,200 radio and television interviews. PRG's advocacy work has been extensively covered by the national and international media, including being featured on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and in the Wall Street Post and New York Times. For more information about Stephen or PRG, visit their website, paradigmresearchgroup.org. And Stephen, welcome back to the X-Zone. I haven't spoken to you since before COVID. Oh my goodness, it's been that long? It's been that long, good sir. I am somewhat in shock. What can I say? <laughs> oh. uh, that was a fast couple of years. Oh, wasn't it, eh? My goodness. Uh, I understand a couple of weeks ago you had a press conference in Washington with uh, Captain Salas. And I was wondering how that went. Uh, Captain Salas held a press conference in Washington. He put it on. Oh, I he put it on. I'm sorry. And it's, and it, eh, well, that's fine. And I, I assisted uh, as I could. But this was Bob's show and... Uh, it was a uh, it was a success, Good. without question. But um, very intriguing. First of all, uh, as you, many of your listeners know, mm-hmm. Bob Salas has been a key nuclear weapons tampering witness. Yep. Uh, ever since he came out publicly regarding the Malmstrom Air Force Base events back in the 1960s. Since then, he's gathered witnesses, worked with Bob Hastings on his book UFOs and Nukes participated in the documentary, UFOs and Nukes, The Secret Revealed. Uh, They gave a press conference with Bob Hastings in 2010 at the National Press Club, uh, where they, I think there were six witnesses on that one, with a substantial amount of media there. Uh, They wrote quite a few articles and then stopped. Uh, So the nuclear weapons tampering evidence has been out for a very long time. In fact, I just recently found an article in 1979, which I may read excerpts from a little bit later, yeah. where the Washington Post is referring to this, talking about it. Uh, it was, it was uh, as a result of some documents that were released to the Ground Saucer Watch Group, as well as the Citizens uh, Against UFO Secrecy cause from the CIA. And so there they were, and they referred to a number of things, including... These events were craft or hovering over our facilities repeatedly, particularly in the 70s. Though they deliberately left out any documents referring to missiles being turned off. Hmm. So how, how many hearings have been held uh, on this? Uh, zero. Why? That, well, because... Something as, signif- thing- something as significant as this makes no sense why it's hush-hushed. You know, everybody else knows about it. Why shouldn't they do an open investigation on it? Not everybody else. Uh, Let's just say that, uh, by and large, the media covers these things, but they don't investigate. And then they shut down. In other words, they write it up and they move on. That's some sort of arrangement our media has with the Department of Defense and and other elements of the military intelligence complex. I don't know how that is structured or who said what to whom Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. The point is, is that they only go so far. There's a line they don't cross. So, uh, nevertheless, a lot of people know about the tampering of uh, of our nukes, with our nukes. So here you have something which is quintessential national security. Yes. Without question, there's no no doubt at all. You have impeachable witnesses, unimpeachable witnesses. These are 
SAC base officers who just don't get assigned to a gig like that. They have to pass a, a, a number of tests, including psychological profiles, to get the clearance necessary to sit in those uh, uh, command centers of these uh, flights, these nuclear weapons flights, with the power, uh, should two of them decide to do it, to turn a couple, two keys and launch eight, nine, 10, 12 weapons, nuclear weapons toward the Soviet Union. So I, I guess these are men of substantial uh, gravitas. Yeah, beyond a shadow of a doubt, yeah. So clearly there should be hearings, there were not. And the, and the, the best reason I can give is this. Managing the truth embargo has not been easy. Keeping the truth of the ET presence somehow unconfirmed for 75 years was no picnic. Uh, it took a lot of money, a lot of effort. Thousands and thousands of people had to go along with it in various ways. But they've managed to pull it off uh, because we still haven't had confirmation. We haven't had disclosure. So one of, they, they've had to dodge many bullets over the decades uh, to... Uh, keep this embargo going. The very first one they had to dodge, of course, was the press release issued by the Army Air Force Base in Roswell in July 47, where they said, we have a saucer. Yeah. Well, that was awkward. They, but that was 47, much different time. No social media, no internet, no iPhones, none of that stuff. So they were able to contain it and things settled down for another, uh, from 47 to 78, almost 30 years they had kind of a hiatus where it wasn't too bad. They did have uh, to deal with some investigations just to, for show. They did a blue book thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but ultimately, they were able to close that down and so forth. Okay. But one thing they've known all along is that any real congressional hearings, not some show hearing like they held in 1966 or 68, one day, four or five witnesses, some written testimony, that's it, very good, thank you so much, and that nothing. No, any real hearings, particularly with military witnesses, the truth embargo would not stand. And so, uh, the, the and, and, and put it another way, a hearing with nuclear weapons tampering witnesses would absolutely not stand, and so they could not have them. So every effort to get hearings has failed since 1968. Repeated efforts have all failed. But the nuclear witnesses posed an even greater problem. What do you do with them? You, you, what are you going to do? Are, are you going to try to disgrace them by concocting uh, stories about their past where they did terrible things? Mm -hmm. Are you going to imprison them? Kill them? What are you going to do with SAC base officers that have come forward and started talking publicly about nuclear weapons tampering events? Not that there wasn't some other evidence out there about that, but that was primarily confined to the extraterrestrial phenomena research field. What are you going to do? I mean, if, if you take any draconian measures like I discussed, mentioned there, you would literally have a, a mutiny develop within the Air Force Officer Corps, particularly the Strategic Air Command. They're not going to sit back and let that happen to their fellow officers. And so the only thing they could do was nothing. In other words, say nothing. Do not, do not make any effort to uh, demean them or, or, or respond to their evidence or somehow counter it. Just act as if they don't exist. Let the articles be written and then say nothing. And if 
1979 article in the Washington Post, which again, I may read some excerpts later, it actually refers to the fact that with respect to these documents and what they were bringing forward, particularly about the nuclear weapons incidents, the Washington Post contacted the DOD, no comment, contacted the CIA, no comment. Hmm. Right? So they, that's the best they could do. They did a similar thing with uh, Colonel Corso. When Corso, who was a decorated intelligence officer in the army in World War II, uh, he was in Italy during that campaign, and then served in, in, uh, afterwards, after the war, uh, came forward with his book very late in life. He knew he was getting close to death. With the aid of Bill Burns, he writes The Day After Roswell, which was had some murky parts, but the, the fundamental point in the book, there are two fundamental points. One was that he did get access to some technology that was related to the Roswell crash with a mandate to see if some of that could be integrated into some of the U.S. tech uh, civilian efforts to give us a little bit of an edge. All right, uh, Might have been a bit overstated in the book, but I, I think that was absolutely true. He also said he saw an extraterrestrial, a dead extraterrestrial, on the way to Fort Riley, Kansas. All right, so, Steve, we're going to have to have a little bit of a cliffhanger here. I have to take my first break. And ExoNation, our guest this hour is Stephen Bassett. And if you'd like to find out more about Stephen, the great work he's done over the years and how he's fighting for disclosure and to put an end to this truth embargo, visit his website, paradigmresearchgroup.org. And we'll both be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Welcome back, everyone. Stephen Bassett is our special guest. And Steve, uh, before we went to the commercial break, we were just uh, talking about uh, The Day After Roswell, the book. Uh, the point I was making is is that uh, the 
Department of Defense mm-hmm. and all of those who manage the truth embargo know that real congressional hearings would almost certainly end that truth embargo. It would not hold up. Secondly, that military witnesses would undoubtedly be the focus of any such hearings and the most uh, difficult witnesses that, 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 uh, that they would have to deal with would be the nuclear weapons tampering witnesses. And so they, they chose to simply ignore them. That was the best thing they could do. And they generally succeeded. Because the, the, the Department of Defense ignored them, mm-hmm. they were, the, the press had a, a license, I guess you could say, to not follow up. Not not go down to the DOD and say what what is what what do you have to say about what uh, Captain Salas or Captain Vestemacher or Captain Schindler are, are saying about these uh, tampering evidence? What what about the, the 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 book UFOs and Nukes? The 200 witnesses that were interviewed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say about this? Well, they didn't have to say anything because the press didn't go. And such is the way the truth embargo works. And it was the same thing with Corso. Corso's book was a major problem. They couldn't undermine him. They couldn't disgrace him. And they couldn't kill him. And he was near death and didn't care. And so they just basically just ignored him. They couldn't ignore Roswell. Roswell, they couldn't ignore. Roswell has plagued them since 1947. And so right around the time that Corso's book came out, you had Stephen Schiff trying to get the Roswell records yeah. from the Army, which eventually said they're gone. They, they, they lost in a fire or something. You had the Air Force under Sheila Widnall putting out a multi-million dollar report about the Mogul balloon, complete lie. And then they had to give a press conference just before the Roswell anniversary of 1997, where they came up with the test dummy stuff. So they couldn't get out from Roswell. It's plagued them. And while Corso was addressing Roswell, they could ignore Corso, and that's what they did. So these witnesses to the most extraordinary acts of all the things we know about ETs, all right, of all the things we know, um, the fact that they have turned off our nuclear weapons on a number of occasions, turn them off, uh, off, and then on a couple occasions, turn them on, meaning set them into launch sequence oh without yeah. the, the, the keys being turned, which I can assure you, was far more frightening to the officers and, and uh, security people than the other case. And I also have done the same thing in the Soviet Union and have done it more times than, than we know because we only know the cases where people have actually come forward. It would be foolish to think there have not been shut down cases where nobody present has come forward. They were all given extremely strict orders never to go forward and talk about this. Uh, and the vast majority of the men were happy to comply. Bob Salas was an exception, uh, and he is a hero for that reason. So how many times they've turned off nukes in the U.S. and the Soviet Union and Russia, we don't actually know. And then there's China. There's no reason to believe they haven't turned them off there. It shouldn't shock anybody that nothing has emerged out of China about that, and no, no witnesses have come forward. So... This, as far as I'm concerned, is the most important thing we know about the ET presence. And we know a lot, but nothing is more significant than that. And as I said earlier, the one thing that would surely end the truth embargo is if hearings were held and witnesses, particularly the nuclear witnesses, were to go under oath 
and do what they did at that press conference in 2010, what they did at the press conference on October 19th this year at the press club, again, what they did at the citizen hearing on disclosure in 2013, a mock congressional hearing where they took a mock oath. If they testified, that would be the ball game. And so they just had to ignore them. And the media went along with it, including the Washington Post, which is known about the nuclear weapons for at least 42 years, and I think even further back than that. And if I had the opportunity to ever to sit down with the top people at the Post, I would ask this question. Who said what to whom back in the 70s that convinced the Washington Post that they would play ball with this, that they would simply not go beyond a no comment and not follow up with witness and with, with evidence like this. Uh, and, and, and also what editor or publisher said what to whom within the organization, within the Washington Post itself. I'm not bringing this up to castigate the Post. It's a great newspaper. I, I like it very much. But we need to know how the truth embargo was conducted. We need to know as much detail as possible. That's very important for history and for uh, future governments. And the truth is, and I've been saying this uh, a lot lately, and, and, it's, and, and, I, and I think that it's very important, I can honestly say after 25 years, we know more about the extraterrestrials, what they're doing here, uh, where they might be from, what they look like, and we know about the truth embargo that the government conducted because virtually nothing is really in the public domain that directly addresses that. There are some documents from early on. We may know who the original group MJ-12 was. We may mm -hmm. have the names of those. That may be true. But overall, how they've managed the truth embargo for 75 years, we have almost nothing on. Uh, so we know less about that. that. That's going to change soon. What about the new administration with President Biden? Uh, I, I, I thought that maybe with, with President Trump leaving and President Biden coming in that there may be a shift in the policy when it comes to the, the truth embargo when it comes to UFOs, but nothing seems to have changed. Not, there's been no action on the part of the administration. Plenty has changed. What's the, changed? The, the process leading to disclosure which means leading to hearings, which we have to have first, has really been underway since seven, 2017. Uh, ever since the two of the Stars Academy announced, came forward, provided the information to the New York Times for those articles in December of 2017. There has been, at this point, I think 1,100 mainstream articles that I was able to uh, find and link to on my site right now. You can find it on Paradigm Research Group under the print, print media archive. Mm -hmm. 1,100 articles that are relating to the initial actions of the To The Stars Academy, the people that came forward, responses by the government, and so forth. In other words, essentially what I would call the government-based disclosure process. 1,100 articles, at least. I just added 200 more recently. But whatever happened to the, to the Stars Academy, you don't hear anything about them anymore. Uh, think of this process. Well, the initial... Um, intention was to launch the To the Stars Academy in very late December after the mm -hmm. election right. of Hillary Clinton uh, and then undoubtedly present the stories to the New York Times to be published before the inauguration 
which all of that, which is pretty profound, even when it came out later, uh, along with all of the 400 articles about the ET issue and Secretary Clinton and President Clinton, connected them all back to the Rockefeller Initiative, all those articles that appeared throughout the entire campaign, you take all that together, and that follows her into the White House. And I think we would have had hearings pretty quickly and disclosure very quickly in her administration. And then the two the Stars Academy people would uh, uh, would have probably raised, God knows, 50, 100 million dollars for that public benefit corporation that they set up and have tons of funds to pursue a range of issues in what would be the post-disclosure world. It was a brilliant, brilliant plan. Meanwhile, the Department of Defense and in generally the military intelligence complex would have gotten much more of a pass from the American people who would increasingly understand, not that millions don't already, that military intelligence complex and the and the political class have lied about the ET issue for 70 some years. But in the end, they came around. In the end, they helped make this happen. Those are all military intelligence complex people on, on, the, on that board or that uh, that that uh, staff of the To The Stars Academy. And it's bing, bang, boom. Everybody wins. That was the original plan. Now, it didn't happen because Hillary lost. I say Hillary. Secretary Clinton lost. And that blew the plan sky high. And so what was initially a one-stage rocket straight to disclosure had to be converted into a multi-stage rocket. They didn't like it. They knew it was going to be brutal. They knew, knew there was going to be a problem. Ultimately, they made the decision to go ahead anyway, and they launched in October of 2017, about a year after, I think, the original plan. And when they launched, uh, they launched into... Now, remember, this is a political process. Okay. We're not talking about research in the labs or anything. We're talking about a political process in which the military intelligence complex is maneuvering to position itself favorably for the political event that disclosure would be. Steve, we've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. Stephen uh, Bassett is our special guest this hour. His website is Paradigm Research group.org. We'll both be back on the other side of this news break. Whatever you do, don't go away.
Welcome back, everyone. Stephen Bassett is our special guest, ParadigmResearchGroup.org. Steve, why was it so imperative that Clinton get in? Why would this have not worked with President Trump? There are a number of reasons, but the most important is the Clintons had a connection to the ET issue that went all the way back to 1993. And that, that's not something they asked for. It just happened. Well, how did that after, happen? What was it? After they came into office, mm-hmm. after Bill Clinton took office, uh, billionaire philanthropist Lawrence Rockefeller, who understood, and he wasn't the only one, that the end of the Cold War, whereby the Soviet Union gives up quite a few of its republics and becomes the Republic of Russia, gets rid of the Communist Party and goes capitalist, uh, which we all were quite thrilled about, felt very prompt, like the future look, look, was looking pretty good. The end of the Cold War was the real first opportunity to finally get the truth out on the ET issue. This is 1990. Uh, well, it ended in uh, you know, the end really came at the end of 1991. Clinton is elected a year later. Bush couldn't do anything. He was tied up in, a, in the uh, war in, uh, in Kuwait. But when the new administration came in, that was when Rockefeller felt it was time to make a move, time to get the files out. In other words, let's end this embargo. He made it clear to some of his colleagues back then, I know from they, they reported this first, firsthand, that it, it didn't matter who won. If the Bush had won, he was going to approach the Bush administration. As it was, it was Clinton. So he approached the Clinton administration with his intention to help the administration get the files out, release them all. And thus began the Rockefeller Initiative. That's what that's what we came to call it. I think I I think I'm the one that came up with the phrase Rockefeller Initiative, but I'm not positive. But I think I did. And anyway, the point is is that the Clintons really had to go along. They had to they had to attempt to uh, how would you say cooperate with Lawrence's intentions. He had the money to back uh, the private effort. Uh, and there were a lot of meetings and so forth, and, and reports were given. This went on for three years, and it was fully documented, and eventually Grant Cameron got those documents, which we have spread all over and put up on the Internet, though it didn't make any difference. The point is is that that, that event hooked them to the issue, and as part of the activist movement, uh, particularly since the year 2000, late 2000, when Grant Cameron got a 1,000 pages of the documents from the Office of Science and Technology Policy through FOIA, uh, we have been pushing that story, that truth, that reality to the media for the last 21 years. I cannot tell you how many reporters I have told about this. I can't tell you how many reporters I've sent to the, my website where uh, 100 or so of the key documents are literally there to be viewed electronically. Uh, I handed a complete set of the documents to the Washington Post, USA Today, and on and on and on. They, 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 they weren't going to do anything. Why not? Be- because to have engaged that issue, yeah. Uh, in other words, the fact that, my God, Clinton and John Podesta uh, made a substantial effort to try to get the files and the, the Department of Defense wouldn't cooperate, that the Air Force spent, I think, $12 million to come up with a complete phony report about the mogul balloon. He was the commander in chief. These are massive constitutional violations, though they would have been justified in the minds of most by uh, under national security. 
But essentially, they did what they did with Carter and other presidents. They basically said, you're just the president. This issue is bigger than you. You don't have a need to know. So it's a, when I say it's a hot potato, yeah. it's a nuclear potato. And so essentially, uh, there was nothing the Clintons could do, but it hooked them to the issue. And that gave us a story. And we have just pounded that story in. However, it, it really would not take. I, I, I was hoping the citizen hearing on disclosure might bring it alive, but that, that was only part of 30 hours of testimony. Mm -hmm. But um, when uh, uh, the, uh, the nuclear witnesses uh, started to get the kind of coverage that we're now seeing, mm -hmm. right, it is uh, a different matter. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Because, uh, you know, to answer your question, as she starts to run the second time for the presidency, this issue has is, is been around for a while. And I finally, as of late, 2000, uh, late 2014, one of the first important articles was by Warren Rojas of the Hill newspaper. I want to talk about that a little bit later, uh, the Hill newspaper. But he was one of the first people to write about this connection that the, the woman trying to become the next president had to the ET issue going all the way back to her husband's administration. Ultimately, so many stories were written about this, mm -hmm. and they're on my website. You can go, you know, some of the links are dead, but there's 400 stories there listed in the, in the section on the, the 2016 election campaign, uh, connecting her to this issue in major media, including the Washington Post, New York Times. It followed her through the entire campaign. Again, because of that connection, None of the other candidates had that connection. There, there was nothing. She was the only one. And she was also the leading candidate by far. So for her to win with that connection going back to 93 to 96, with all the media that had followed her uh, through the campaign and written about it, it sets it up perfectly for her to move forward. Donald Trump had no connection to the issue at all. Zero, nothing, nada. There were no articles written about that. He had no interest. And so when he wins, we go from a situation primed for disclosure hearings to take place and witnesses to come forward to a completely different situation, which uh, more than a few high-level pundits have said is unprecedented in American history. That everything that's transparent, transpired since January 20 of 2017 has, has been in the realm of almost fiction. You couldn't write it. If you wrote the story up as fiction, people would go, this is ridiculous, and, and, and they wouldn't buy the book. So we've been in uncharted territory. And as a result, there's been enormous amount of chaos, yeah. enormous amount of distraction. And so the ability to get this story back into play was very difficult. But the Toe the Stars Academy team, which had already come together, made the decision that they could not wait for a change of administration for a number of reasons. One, again, because of the outcome of the election, they, 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 weren't, they, they, they didn't raise much money. They only raised about 25 million uh, in that uh, period, late 17, 2018. They, that wasn't enough for them to maneuver at all. Uh, and th they were hanging out there exposed uh, uh, for every possible internet attack anybody wanted to launch. Uh, and so it would, it would be very difficult to keep the p team together frankly. 
And so they made the decision they had to launch if they were going to have the impact that they'd hoped to have and then weather the storm. And that's what has taken place. But well, like, like a lot I... has happened since then, a lot behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But it, there's been enormous advancement despite the political chaos. You know, I, 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 and yet we don't hear anything about them anymore. They're, they're not even in the news. That's because that stage, that remember I say it turned into a multiple stage rocket? Yeah. At some point that served its purpose. Or is it that nobody gives a damn? No, 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 no. Believe me, the interest in this subject has never been higher. The point is that they served its purpose. Yeah. Uh, a couple of people couldn't stay, so they left. They were replaced. Uh, and there's really not much they could do uh, in terms of their, quote, mission statement. Mm-hmm. However, the agenda, the core agenda, the reason for doing it in the first place was to get congressional hearings and end the truth embargo. And so the two most important people in pursuit of that agenda were Chris Mellon and, and Louis Elizondo. Right. And that slowly emerged. And we fig- I figured it out pretty early. Others, it took longer. It doesn't matter. I realized these are the two, two key people. And eventually, not surprisingly, as things advanced uh, uh, quite a bit behind the scenes, mm-hmm. they separated from the To The Stars Academy. They simply left. Not because they were disgruntled or whatever. I think they left because what needed to happen next, which is putting these hearings together and the political negotiations and other uh, aspects, they could not do as, quote, representing a public benefit corporation with this multifaceted mission statement. They had to do it as private citizens with extremely significant careers. And so after that, so they were the next Mm -hmm. stage. The To The Stars Academy kind of drops off. Tom DeLonge goes back to his music where he's making tons of money. He really, he really, and that's okay. That's all right. Nobody, nobody is, is it gets, is gonna, gets mad when an, a, an Apollo rocket takes off and the first stage gets it into a lower orbit and falls away. I mean, right. it's all, it takes a team, right? So, so for the last two years, Elizondo and Mellon have been the key. Now, look, we don't even have enough time to even begin to discuss everything. All right, speaking about time, I've got to take my final break, so please stand by, Steve. Yes, sir. ExoNation, our guest this hour is Stephen Bassett. Visit his website at www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. We'll both be back as we wrap up this hour here in the ExoNation with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. She's a carnival girl.
Exonation, um, Stephen Bassett is our special guest this hour, www.paradigmresearchgroup.org is his website. It's a great website. You're going to spend hours there, so make yourself a good cup of coffee or get yourself a nice um, glass of bourbon and enjoy. Stephen, one thing I can't understand is if all this is in place, and, and you know, Captain Salas had his uh, press conference about the nuclear uh, mm-hmm. factor when it comes to the ETs, as well as you've done a lot of work, and there are other people out there who've done a lot of work, why doesn't this gain speed within the Congress or within the Senate? Like it has, but you don't hear you don't hear about it. Oh, you do, you, you have to look. Uh, look, I, I I monitor all the media. Yeah. Uh, so, very quickly, what has taken place in the last three years, mm-hmm. while the political storms raged overhead, yeah, down. Down below, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of meetings were held on the Hill to brief members of Congress, particularly the key committees like the Intel and Armed Services. That was Chris Mellon's job. Witnesses were taken up there. Military witnesses have been vetted to see if they're appropriate to testify. How many have been vetted, I don't know, but it's, a, I'm sure, a very substantial list. Eventually, uh, the... Um, some members of Congress started taking action. And the most notable one was, the first one was Marco Rubio, who put in the request for the report from the Pentagon on the UAPs in the uh, 2021 defense, uh, Senate Intel right. Defense Appropriations Bill. Uh, that created enormous amount of coverage. I don't know how many, my Lord, I think hundreds and hundreds of articles were written about that pending report. Uh, but it also generated a classified report that went to the Congress in March of this year, March 16th. Uh, four committees were briefed, uh, I think 70 pages. So, And that's not been revealed. We, had, we don't know what they were briefed, but I assure you it was a lot more that was in the public report. Uh, a task force was set up at the ONI. Recently, a Congressman Diego uh, put a similar language in the 22 Defense Appropriations Bill, the Senate House version. Mm-hmm calling for more studies and so forth. Then Senator Gillibrand just uh, duplicated that in the Senate bill, plus he added a substantial amendment expanding the range of activities. Meanwhile, also, these bills point out that the, the, the Unidentified Aero Phenomena Task Force, UAP Task Force, which was in a basically in a nothing more than a uh, a, a holding position there at, at the uh, Office of Naval Intelligence is now being moved inside the Defense Department itself where they're setting up a working group. All this is, has been covered in the news. Hundreds of articles, they're there, all right? But in the last, just the last 90 days, let, just to give you a quick sense, this okay. is one way to give people a sense of what's going on. The, the, the largest independent news media uh, operation is political news media operation is The Hill. This is the newspaper on Capitol Hill in the United States. And it uh, is read by everybody on Capitol Hill. Everybody in Washington, D.C. has anything to do with politics, journalists, staffers, lobbyists, members, and what have you. And in the last 90 days, three articles have appeared, three, one after another, in The Hill newspaper. And these, these articles 
were all written by uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, uh, Marek von Rennenkampf. Now, um, he, is, he is a contributor to the Hill, but he's also, he also served as an anal analyst with the U.S. Department of State's Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation, as well as uh, in the Obama administration as an appointee at the U.S. Department of Defense. He is no non-trivial person. Here is the headlines of three articles, extensive, heavily hyperlinked articles that he has published in The Hill in the last 90 days, which I assure you have been read by everybody uh, in Washington, D.C. that is, that is uh, significantly involved in politics. Uh, here's one. NASA chief Bill Nelson, latest official to suggest UFOs have otherworldly origins. That's the headline. Mm -hmm. By the way, Senator, former astronaut, former member of the Senate Intel Committee, the first such kind of person who ever put in charge of NASA, came out and said that NASA was going to start investigating UAPs. That had never happened before. And now he's recently said that they could be otherworldly. This is from the NASA administrator. All right. I can't even begin to tell you how significant that is, right? But it's pretty significant. This is NASA basically getting set up. And some of the other articles, hang on just a second, let me just bring this up, just take a second. Um, uh, here are the titles of the other articles. UFO stigma, alien conspiracy theories are relics of Cold War paranoia. And then Senator Gillibrand's historic legislation re revolutionize the study of UAPs. Of course, they use the word UFOs. We're still, not, not everybody's made that transition. If someone were to go to the Hill and read these three articles, they're astounding. And so this coupled with the actions uh, that we have seen happen in the Pentagon, yeah. the fact that a number of members of Congress have called for hearings, mm -hmm. Diego, Gillibrand, uh, Rubio, and others. And because the briefings have taken place, I'm telling you that while things may seem little, it may seem calm in that area, they are not underneath the surface. A above ground, you've got chaos. You've got people raiding the Capitol. You've got incredibly hyper-partisan warfare going on. You have an extraordinary situation in the House and Senate, which is consuming the media. I, I get that. These things happen. But let me be clear to your audience. The presence of extraterrestrials, which is a fact, the congressional hearings, wherein the military witnesses uh, are going to come forward with the testimony we've been waiting for, and they're going to give that testimony under oath with hundreds of millions of people watching, hearings that will last not a day, but probably weeks. That is going to lead to disclosure. And those things are way more important than the rest of the mishigosh that is keeping us distracted right now. I'm not saying that it's trivial. I know we have to deal with it. I'm just saying that don't, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I guess the ET issue is gone. No, it is sitting just off stage. But Steve, if, if Politico's uh, three articles are so riveting how come they weren't carried by any other newspaper or any other media uh actually 
these, this material about Gillibrand and so forth and NASA has been covered in a number of articles. Look, uh, it's my job, and, mm -hmm. I, and I get it. Everybody else has got a lot to do. I mean, they've got kids, they've got spouses, they've got responsibility. I don't have any of that. I don't have a, no kids, no spouses, no cats, no dogs, nothing. So I'm monitoring the media constantly. If you go to my website, paradigmresearchgroup.org, and then go to uh, resources and drop on down into the print media archive, punch on through to the main archive, there's over, I'm approaching a thousand articles about this, we're, what we're talking about right now, linked. You can go read them and it's only mainstream news. There's no paranormal press, there's no fringe little sites mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's mainstream news. You can read one after another after another and then the light will go on. But if somebody is not doing that, then they're thinking, what's happening? Well, that's, that's my job. I know what's happening and I'm happy to go on radio programs and tell people. Uh, but trust me, uh, you know, you've been in this a long time, Rob. Yeah. It won't be that much longer before you're going to be broadcasting in the post-disclosure world. And I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm willing to wait. I've been waiting this no long. long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, okay. Just hang in there. Yeah. Don't go away. It's going, it's going to be interesting to see what the truth really is. And Yeah, most of the truth. Most of the information mm -hmm. that people want is not going to come until after disclosure. Yeah. It simply can't get out before a confirmation announcement is made. So initially, the focus is going to be on military witnesses like we've been hearing about and more. But yeah. and, and again, ultimately, this. The, Here, the Steve, weapons Steve I've got less than a minute. One quick question. What happens yeah. with the next election and there's a total change of administration again? I would be totally shocked if disclosure has not happened by then. I think it, it could easily happen early next year, given the pandemic is starting to finally come under control, which is a major issue. Yeah. The politics will settle down. No, I'm expecting disclosure long before the next election. Stephen Bassett, always a great pleasure. Thank you for all you do, Steve. Stay well, and I look forward to the next time you join us here in the X-Zone. Always a pleasure, Rob. Good night, sir. And X-Zone Nation, once again, if you'd like to find out more about Steve, visit his expansive website. Spend hours there. Get the word out. www.paradigmresearchgroup.org. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm.